And um, I don't know if, uh, if anybody's gone out to buy a pair of Nike shoes yet because of that, that logo, slogan that we're using in the, in the logo. But uh, we, we want to be victorious in our Christian life. We want to live victorious lives. We want to be more than conquerors through Christ. We want to be overcomers. We want, to, we want to know the joy of the Lord in our hearts and our lives. We want to know His peace. We want, to, we want to know that God is sovereign, He's in control, and He knows what He's doing. We want to know that uh, He's our Lord and that when we follow Him, that, uh, that we will have peace. I was reading in the book of Acts how the disciples were out preaching the gospel and and, you know, in some places, they embraced the apostles' teaching. They embraced them, and, and many came to Christ. Many came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And there was great rejoicing, great gladness, because their mission was being accomplished. Lives were being transformed. People were being saved. Uh, and you, many of us think that that really is what the Christian life is going to be all about, just... Everything's going to go good all the time. Everything's going to go well. Everything's going to turn out the way you want it to turn out. But the, the reality is, is it doesn't always work that way. And so some places where the apostles were teaching, things went well. People were getting saved. But then we read in Acts chapter 13 that, uh, that they were actually kicked out of one city. And um, it says in Acts 13, 51 to 52, So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that interesting? In some places it worked out well, and they were filled with joy. In some places it worked out really badly. They were persecuted, beat up, spat upon. They were rejected. And still the Bible says that they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the secret here? How is it that, that even in the midst of difficulty and struggle and problems, these disciples, these, these preachers of the gospel could still be full of joy in the Holy Spirit? You quickly recognize that, folks, it's not because of circumstances, but it's because of what happens in their hearts and lives. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now, because so many of us are victims of, of, of our circumstances. And as Christians, the Bible is clear that we are not controlled or manipulated by our circumstances. We are to be spirit-controlled so that we have a joy and the work of the Holy Spirit in us, not because of our circumstances, but in spite of them. Now, most of us know this in our minds. We know that in our heads, but many of us, in fact, the reality is, is we just don't live that way. We're quickly, quickly disturbed and distraught when things don't work out the way that we want them to. So here's the question this morning. We've been asking this for the last few weeks. How do we live in this state of rejoicing, this, this worry-free state, this thankful state, this state of, of peace and of joy? Even when it seems that all hell seems to be breaking loose around us, how do we maintain this joy and this victory in our lives? The Bible's clear that in, in your own life, and in, in, in the life of, of every believer and all of God's people, that every defeat, and I, I'm saying defeat, I'm not saying struggle, 
because we all will experience struggles and the disciples experience struggles. But in every defeat that we experience, that is when we're not experiencing victory, it's because we've either disobeyed God or if you're, if you're a little younger, you've disobeyed or you're not honoring or respecting your parents. That's, that's, that is the, the gospel. That is the truth. That's what the Bible says. And so here's the thing. Here's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to follow Jesus. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, following Jesus. And I want to remind you of what we've been repeating together for the past four weeks, and hopefully it will have sunk in by now. But here's the thing. Victorious, let's say it together. Victorious Christian living, victorious Christian living begins with immediate and full obedience to Christ. Okay, all the ladies say it. Okay, now all the men say it. Okay, everybody under 20 said. Okay, everybody over 20 said. Okay, now did you, did you get that? Is it, is it solid in your heart, in your mind? I'm telling you, if you, if you respond in obedience to the promptings and the moving of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life, if you obey Christ, you will experience victory in your life. That is, you'll experience joy and peace. You'll experience the workings of the Holy Spirit in your life regardless of your circumstances. And so this is really what it means to follow Jesus. Now, in the, in, in the New Testament, uh, it tells a story of a, of a, of a meeting between a, a rich young ruler and Jesus. And so if you've got your Bibles, take them and turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And we're, we're going to look at verses 18 to 21 first. Let's take a look at that. And, uh, it says this, a certain young ruler, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, just, just stop there for a moment. What must I do? To inherit eternal life. Or another way of putting that is, what must I do to be saved? Okay? And so here's the question that all of us, we need to think about that. Because some of us have been going to church for years, and uh, we've said the sinner's prayer at some point in time, and we we think that it's a sort of a one-time thing. You just say the sinner's prayer, and then you get to go to heaven. But Jesus is calling us to a lifestyle. And so this, so the, this, this young ruler asked the question, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Now listen to this man's response. He says, All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Just stop for a moment now. Here's a man who's kept all the commandments. He's kept them since boyhood. Doesn't steal, doesn't lie, doesn't cheat, doesn't commit adultery, does not murder, honors his mother and father. This is this. And still, he doesn't have peace. Would you ever see that? Still, he does not have joy in his heart. Still, he's not sure. He's keeping all the commandments, and yet something inside him of him is still unsettled. He's not sure. He doesn't have assurance. He's not quite sure. And so he comes to Jesus, 
this man who's living a perfect life. And he says, obviously, he knows it's not enough. And he says, Jesus, what, what, what should I do? He's very religious, very moral, very conscientious when it comes to the laws of God. And yet his life is marked by insecurity. His life is marked by a lack of peace and a lack of joy. This man who is rich, he's got... He's got enough money to buy anything he wants, whatever his heart desires, and yet still he has no peace. How on earth can we get that peace and get that victory in our hearts and lives? I want to show you a short video clip. Scotty, if you'd show us that clip, and then we'll return the, the very first one there. You see it? We can skip it if you like. Let's skip it. Okay, let's move along here. We can. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> let's move along here. Okay, so here we are. Um, we've got this question. We 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 see Jesus being uh, confronting this rich young ruler, this rich young ruler who asked, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And here's Jesus' response, verse 22 of Luke 18. Just go to the next slide, Scott, if you would. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, that is the rich man, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. In Shakespeare's Hamlet, Act 3, scene 1, Hamlet begins his soliloquy with this. To be or not to be, this is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and the arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles. To be or not to be, that is the question. I I would disagree with Shakespeare because that really isn't the question. The question is this, to obey or not to obey. That's the question. And you know what? Absolutely every single day of your life, all through the course of every day, you will be faced with this question, shall I obey God or not? And you know what I'm talking about. There'll be small things and big things. Should I do what God wants me to do or will I do what I want to do? And I can tell you, my friends, that as a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And this, is a, this is a difference between just being religious and being a Christ follower. When you're religious, you simply go through religious rituals. You do the things that that religious people do. But when you have an intimate relationship with God, then you will hear the voice and the Spirit of God at work in your heart, in your life, in your mind, moment by moment. Did you know that? That's, That's the wonder. That's the mystery. That's the joy of serving Jesus, is that you have this intimate relationship where God leads you step by step, moment by moment. This rich young ruler says, uh, I've, com- I've kept all these commandments since I was a boy. I kept, kept all the commandments. And then Jesus says this. He says, but you still lack one thing. You still are lacking one thing. I can't you just see that rich young ruler thing. I've got all the money that I'll ever need. I've kept all the commandments. What on earth do I lack? What is it that I need? And Jesus says this. Sell everything you have. Give to the poor. 
and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler, when he heard this, became very sad because he was very rich. Now, I'm going to ask you the question this morning. What is it in your life that's more important to you than Jesus? What is it in your life that comes first before Christ? Because here's the thing, friends. You will find yourself in the course of the day being faced with that decision. Should I do what Jesus wants, what I know God wants me to do, or will I do what I want to do? With a rich young ruler, is shall I follow Jesus or should I hang on to my wealth? Now, I'm going to tell you this. God doesn't ask everybody to, to get rid of all their wealth. He doesn't, doesn't do that for everybody. But here's the thing. Jesus knew that that was what this man lacked. This was this man's problem. This was this man's struggle. His wealth was more important to him than Jesus. That was a thing that was preventing him from obeying Christ. From obeying Christ. So I have to ask you the question this morning. What is it in your life that's preventing you from obeying Christ? What's preventing you from following Jesus? Maybe you're saying, man, I'd follow Jesus if only my husband would follow Jesus. I would follow Jesus if only my wife would follow Jesus. I would follow Jesus if all my friends would follow Jesus. Then it would be far more comfortable. One thing you lack is Jesus is not number one in your life. I would follow Jesus if I didn't have to give up my favorite habit. What is that habit that you know is coming between you and Christ? I'd I'd follow Jesus if, if I didn't have to give up my hobby or give up my money or give up my girlfriend or my boyfriend. I'd follow Jesus if I didn't have to give up certain TV shows that are my favorite. I'd follow Jesus if I didn't have to give up my reputation. My friends, listen to me. More important than your reputation, more important than your money, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, everything and anything in your life that's important to you is not as important as Jesus is. And the question this morning is this. Will you obey him? Will you do what he's calling you to do? Will you, will you forsake all else and follow hard after Jesus? We just did a wedding here just a few Saturdays back. And in the vows, the question is this. Will you forsake all else and everyone else and keep yourself only for your, your wife or your husband? Now, it would be preposterous, wouldn't it be, for me to say, will you stick more or less to just this woman you're marrying? Give or take two or three other women? There's no bride on the face of the earth would go along with that kind of a vow. And nor would a groom. There's no way I could say in my vow, in the vows to, will you have this woman or will you have this man as long as, uh, you know, you, you could have one or two extra guys on the side, whatever, whatever is convenient, makes, whatever makes you feel good. There's just no way that anybody would go along with that. My friends, this is, <laughs> This is what it means to be a Christ follower. Is that there can be no one else and nothing else in your life but Jesus. He's got to be number one for you. So my friends, as you're sitting here today, I, this is what I know. I know this. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I know right now that the Holy Spirit has brought something to mind. has brought something to your heart. And the Holy Spirit is showing you at this very moment certain things, certain people, certain TV shows, 
certain habit, hobbits, uh, hobbit, habits and hobbies. There, those are hobbits. Habits and hobbies. Certain friends that you need, you need to forsake. The Spirit of God is speaking to your, to your heart right now. And so here's the thing. Will you make the move? Will you, will you make the move and do what you have to do? Will you make the break with those people that are holding you back? Will you take the plunge? Will you jump in with both feet and say, I'm not going to be content just to dangle my feet in the water. I'm, I'm jumping in. Because that's what it means to be a Christ follower. To obey or not to obey, that's the question. And this rich young ruler, when told what he'd have to do to be in a position to inherit eternal life, went away sad because of his great wealth. He, he wouldn't do it. Now, I want you to recognize something here. It's really important that you get this. Jesus doesn't make any deals with him. As that man walks away with his head hanging low, he doesn't say, hey, come, come on back, come on back here. Come on, let's try to work something out here. Come on, but maybe we can come up with some kind of an understanding or an agreement. Maybe I can make this comfortable for you somehow. Jesus makes no deals. Jesus doesn't make it easy. Jesus doesn't make it comfortable. Jesus doesn't say, you know what, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got to make this a little easier. Otherwise, I'm not going to have anybody following me. I've got to make this as plain and as easy as possible. Jesus doesn't do that. He says, you've got to make this break, man. You've got to make the break. You've got to take the plunge. You've got to jump in with both feet. Just do it. Don't make excuses. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Just do it. Do what you need to do. And so the question today is this. What's holding you back? What's coming between you and Jesus? The Spirit of God is showing you, and it's your job to respond. Now, I know some of you are saying, man, this is just, this, this, is this the kind of Christianity that this church believes and preaches? And yeah, this is it. This is authentic Christianity that doesn't make any deals, doesn't cut any deals. This is the Christianity that says either follow him or not. There's no middle ground. There's no third way. And you say, man, I don't know if I can do this. Well, you're not the only one who, who, who said that. If you're thinking to yourself, man, I can't do this. Well, you're not the only one who thought that. Let's, let's look at the next passage of Scripture. Luke 18, 24 to 27. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible, listen to this, what is impossible with men is possible with God. So here's the thing, friends. You're sitting there thinking to yourself, boy, Pastor, on what you're saying, this is, seems absolutely impossible. And guess what? You're right. It is impossible. You need God's help. You know, I, one of my favorite commercials is that uh, commercial that says, Got Milk? How many know, know that one? Very, the reason I like it so much is because it's short. It just has got milk and it's over. I like that kind of a commercial. Got milk? In our household, if we don't have milk, uh, i got to go out and get some at night. I, I've been known to do that, get up and go out late at night and get milk. And if the grocery stores are closed, well, good old 7-Eleven, right? 
Because without, without my hot cup of milk at night, I have a hard time going to sleep. I, it's a ritual. I have my hot steamed milk. Mm. Two minutes in the microwave, it overflows a little bit. I'm ready for that because it happens every single time. But i got to have my, my milk. And then in the morning, our children would starve to death if they didn't have milk for their cereal. And so uh, we got to have our milk. Okay, here's the thing. For your Christian life, you need grace. And so I want to ask you the question this morning. God, grace? <laughs> and I, I don't have any mustache to put on for you, but <laughs> i got to ask you that question. If you got grace, you can't live without it. And you know what? What's so amazing to me is that if you, if you take your Bible and you start uh, going through the New Testament systematically, not to mention the Old Testament, go through the New Testament systematically and underline the word grace every time it's used, you will find that it's used hundreds of times. And yet it's, it's a doctrine that people don't know today. They don't understand it today. They don't know what it means. I'm going to tell you. It was so important that, that Paul, in his letter to, to his young protege, Timothy, he says this in 2 Timothy 2.1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul said to Timothy, man, you can't make it without God's grace. And in Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Folks, you were saved. You, be, you came to Christ and your sins were washed away because of God's grace. And so I asked you the question this morning, have you got grace? Because here's the thing, it's not just the rich man that struggles with giving up his wealth to follow Christ, but every one of us here today struggles and need God's help. We call it grace. God's grace is God's amazing love, His power, His Holy Spirit available to help you do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. You need God's grace. And I'm going to ask you the question, when's the last time you prayed and said, God, give me your grace? Do you know what? I pray that all through the day. I'm constantly praying, God, give me your grace. In the wee hours of the morning, I oh, 1.30 in the morning, after working on my deck all day, I was in such pain, I could not even get out of bed. I said, God, give me grace. I need help. I need strength. You need grace for, for every aspect of this life that you're living, and especially to follow Jesus. And so here's the thing. If you're not, if you're not one of those people that prays, then you are missing out on God's help and strength. How arrogant and how presumptuous it is for you and I to think that we could live this Christian life in our own strength, in our own power. You need God's grace. And you need to make that a a regular prayer. I believe that when the Apostle Paul said to pray without ceasing, that was the prayer that he was calling each of us to pray. God, give me grace. Give me grace. Give me the power that I need to live this life because I can't make it on my own. God, grace? Because I'll tell you this, to live this Christian life on your own is, listen to this, it's absolutely impossible. I would say this today, if you're not leaning on God's grace, then you're probably living in a backslidden state. If you're not leaning, if you're not receiving God's grace to live this Christian life, then you're probably not where you need to be spiritually. You're probably in big trouble. 
And so you need God's grace. This is, uh, this is why the writer of Hebrews tells us this. Listen, this is supposed to be a part of your Christian life, okay? This is, this is a part of your Christian experience. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us then approach the throne of grace. Did you know that God's throne is called the throne of grace? And that when you come to God, you're actually coming to the throne of grace when you pray? Did you know that? A lot of people don't know that. When you say your grace over your meal, you're coming to the throne of grace. That's a, grace is God's strength. It's His help. It's His power. In His grace is everything that you need. When you come to God in prayer before you go to sleep at night, you're coming to the throne of grace. And the writer of Hebrews says, let's come, let's come to the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. How many need mercy today? How many, how many never fail? Never, never make a mistake? Well, then you don't need God's mercy. But for the rest of us, we need God's mercy. And the writer of Hebrews says that we may find mercy and find grace. Listen to this. To help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, but I'm, t- I'm constantly in need. I'm a needy person. And I'm going to tell you today that my God, my God provides me all that I need. And the apostle said, God's grace is sufficient for me. When you have God's grace at work in your life and enabling you, empowering you to live this Christian life, my friends, then you will know the victory. Then you will know what it means to be more than a conqueror through Christ. If you thought you had to somehow muster up the feelings to be a victor, then you totally get the Christian life in a way that's, that's not accurate and not in accordance with Scripture. God's grace is absolutely necessary for you to live this life. And you need to pray and ask God for it. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Luke 18, 28 to 30, it says this. Peter said to Jesus, we have left all that we had to follow you. In other words, he's saying, unlike the rich man who wouldn't leave behind his wealth, we have left everything behind. We left our boats, our nets, that's, our, that's their livelihood. We left our families. We left the neighborhood. We left everything to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many, many times as much in the age, in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. Here's another doctrine that's seldom taught nowadays. It's the doctrine of heaven and hell. We don't, we don't talk about hell because it's far too uh, politically incorrect. It's far too harsh and definitely too negative. And yet, my friends, it's part of the gospel message. Listen to what it says in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8-9. It says, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. Now, I'm going to ask you this. What kind of a pastor, what kind of a preacher would I be if I failed to bring that to your attention? I'm telling you today, my friends, you and I need to make obedience to Christ a way of life. Because, listen to me, it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of heaven and hell. As plain and simple as that. Nobody's going to sort of slip and slide into heaven. Nobody's just sort of make it by the skin of their teeth. You make it to heaven by obeying Jesus. This is your reward that you will spend eternity with Christ. Now, 
please, don't anybody get angry at me uh, and, uh, and say, Pastor, you're just trying to be negative here. I'm, I'm just preaching to you what the gospel says. But Jesus says this, those who obey him will receive many times as much now in this life and in the life to come. And you will be assured that you will not go to hell. Plain and simple. Charles Blunden, 1855, he owed his celebrity and his fortune to his idea of crossing Niagara Falls on a tightrope. This tightrope was 1,100 feet long, and it was 160 feet above the water. He accomplished this first on 30th of June, 1859, and did it a number of times, and always with a different theatrical variation. Blindfolded, did it in a sack. He did it by trundling a wheelbarrow across. He he walked across this tightrope on stilts, if you can believe it. He even carried his manager, Harry Colcourt, on his back. And at one point, he even sat down midway on that tightrope, and he cooked and ate himself an omelet. Unbelievable. He did it many, many times, and it was, it was very easy for him. And the crowds came, and they, they, they adored him. They... They loved, they loved the show. They believed in him. And so he asked the crowd, do you believe that I could take a man over in a wheelbarrow? Do you believe, do you believe I could cross this tightrope with a man in a wheelbarrow? And everybody said, we believe, we believe. Yes, you can do it. And then he asked the question, okay, which one? <laughs> which one wants to be the volunteer? And suddenly everybody's hands dropped to their side and it's like. A moment ago, they believed. They believed. But it came right down to it. They didn't believe that much to be a volunteer. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because God is calling you to a life of obedience. And you could sit here and say, I believe, I believe. But will you take the necessary steps in your life to obey Jesus, to put Him first in your life? Will you put Jesus before your friends, before your family, before your reputation? Will you put Jesus before everything and everyone? Because that's what it means to be a Christ follower. And it's easy to say, I believe, I believe. When it comes down to that decision, will I follow Jesus or not? You've got to make the move. And God has given you His grace so that you can obey Him and follow Him with your whole heart. And the good news is this. And the enemy is going to try to trick you into thinking, oh, if I give up my friends, I'll never be happy again. If I put Jesus before, before my family, I'll never be happy again. If I, if I put Jesus first, my family will reject me and I'll never be happy again. If I put Jesus before my money, my investments, I'll never be happy again. If I put Jesus before my hobby or my habits, I'll never be happy again. My friends, the Bible's clear. Jesus says it. You will be blessed many, many more times if you obey Him in this life. And you'll be blessed in life to come. Would you bow your heads with me, please?
Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We ask, O oh God, that you would help us to obey you and to do your will. Help us, O oh God, to be faithful to the calling, to do what you want us to do. This morning, your spirit is speaking to our hearts, and you're showing us, O oh God, things that we need to put behind us. For some of us, we are sinning the sin of idolatry by putting others and other things before you. God, we pray right now that you forgive us our sin and help us to put you first. We pray that in Jesus' name.